uh, Pearl and I, we were going to, uh, um, before going to pick up um, our daughters from the youth group event, uh, we went to the Y in Haverford. And um, there were police there. They had um, taped off the um, parking lot. And we knew something had gone on. But um, I don't know if you read, there was a 27-month-year-old little girl who was um, hit and killed in the parking lot. It's really a, a tragic accident, uh, tragic both for um, her family and also for um, the person who accidentally um, hit her as well. So um, it's, hard to, it's hard to grasp, you know, just the, 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 these kinds of tragedies that go on. Um, I think it's a, an important reminder on a number of levels. Number one, drive really carefully. Be really careful in the parking lot, whether it's our church parking lot or other places. Um, and it's a reminder of um, our broken world and what it is that, um, what we're, why we're here what it is that God has called us to be. So why don't we spend just a few moments um, just praying for uh, those families and um, get into our message today, okay? Well, Father, um, this uh, tragic news hits really home to us because it's so close and a place that many of us uh, go to exercise and enjoy. And we pray for these two families, Lord, um, for mercy, uh, we pray for your, uh, your comfort. We pray for, um, yeah, even for ourselves, Lord, in wisdom, in how to love those around us um, and those far away as well, um, to love them well. So, Father, um, even as we, uh, we mourn, we, um, yeah, we pray that you would speak to us, that you would teach us from this amazing word, um, the most... Um, known, most shared, most beloved Bible verse out of the 23,145 Bible verses in the whole of your word. Um, so speak to us, Lord, um, this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, what happened at the Y is, is um, it's a reminder that we live in this incredibly broken world, um, Incredibly broken, uh, hurt, lost, confused, dying world. And sometimes we don't even know what we can do about it, whether it's what happened so near to us in this tragic death, or as we think about you know, this whole world out there, 7.6 billion people in the world, 1.3 billion of whom live in extreme poverty, 1 billion of whom can't even read or can't even... Uh, sign their own name, uh, two billion of whom have inadequate access even to safe water, four billion of whom lack basic sanitation. 46 million people around the world today, not in the past, today are enslaved. 65 million people today are refugees because of poverty, war, persecution, famine. All of this is just the physical side of our incredibly broken world. How about the spiritual side? There are 1.75 billion Muslims in the world, 1 billion, 1.1 billion followers of Hinduism, 500 million Buddhists. 86% of those 3.1 billion Muslims, Buddhists, and Hindus, 86% of them do not personally know a single 
Christian. According to the Joshua Project, more than 7,000 distinct ethno-linguistic people groups are completely unreached. They have little to no access to the gospel of Jesus Christ. They represent more than 3 billion people. Um, let me ask you to do something. What I want you to do is to take a moment to think about your life. You can close your eyes, you can keep your eyes open, whatever you want to do. But in particular, what I want you to do is think about your life before you came to know of the eternal life that John speaks about in chapter 3. Um, and one of the amazing things that I just I love about John 3.16 is that moment when a person, whether in Japan or Africa or nearby, when a person realizes that's about me. That's speaking about me. That's for me. God so loves me. He sent his one and only son for me. God offers me eternal life. I love that moment. But I want you to think about your life before that moment before Jesus came into your life. And some of you may have grown up in the church and, and kind of almost no, never known a day when you were up outside of the church, but still there was a time when you didn't really grasp it, when you didn't really have that reality as clear as it is today. So I want you to think about that moment, that time in your life. What was your life like before Jesus? What was your life like without Jesus? Spend a little time thinking that. And if you haven't given your life to Jesus, if you don't know this, Jesus, what is your life like now? And where is there brokenness? Where is there darkness? Where is there sadness? Uh, next, let me ask you to think about another thing. What would your, like, your life be like now if you had never heard and never responded to the good news of Jesus? What? might your life be like? Who might you be? Uh, what would you be living for? What would your life look like in work or family, leisure, sex, money, without Jesus? So spend a little time just thinking about that. I don't know about you, but that's a little bit of a kind of a scary exercise for me. I grew up actually really pretty close to here. So even driving in this morning, I, I, I had like flashbacks of high school and uh, not, not, not good memories. But um, I hope that, you know, not just that we're going to kind of be scared as we think about what our life might have been like without Jesus, but really, especially as we approach this season of Thanksgiving, that we would have a fresh and powerful conviction and understanding and appreciation for the impact of the good news of Jesus Christ in, in our lives. Um, let me ask you to do another thing. I want you to picture a person in your mind, okay? So I want you to think about the person who most helped you to see and understand and receive the good news of Jesus. I want you to think about that person. I want you to think about how that person helped you 
And I also want you to give thanks to God for that person, okay? So spend a little time uh, thinking about and then also in prayer giving thanks for, for that person. And then finally, I want you to think about the person who helped the person who helped you to see and understand and receive the good news of Jesus Christ, to see and understand and receive the good news of Jesus. So you may have no idea who that person is, but there was someone. And somebody helped that person even before that, and someone helped that person who helped that person who helped that person even before. God used this line of people throughout all of eternity that led to you seeing and hearing and knowing and understanding and receiving the good news of Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? And it never would have reached to you if just one person along all that line of people said, oh, no, thank you. I'm not going to share the good news of Jesus. I don't want to share the gospel. And somewhere in that line of people that led to you, there was a missionary or multiple missionaries who crossed over geographic boundaries, who crossed over languages, who crossed over cultures and rivers and valleys, oceans, in order to share that good news that eventually led to you. God so loved you that he gave his one and only son God so loved you that he sent all those people to share the good news that led to you. Yours is a precious life because you are so loved by God. Not because we deserved it, not because we, we were so lovable, we're actually not quite lovable, uh, but because God is love, God set his love upon you. He sent his son to die for you, to die for sinners. He so loves you. We celebrate that. Now, you know, I opened by sharing about you know, 7.6 billion people in the world who are suffering in so many ways in our broken world. And I'm not sure that you know humans can even grasp the scale of billions and maybe that's why you know we feel like there's nothing we can do about it all these massive challenges that we face in the world but even if we can't grasp the scale of billions who are, and billions who are lost without Christ we can we can grasp the value of one life right Hearing about what happened at the Y yesterday, it, it crushes you, right? That was just one person. You don't even know who that person is. But you understand how precious one life is. And each one of those three billion people who have little or no access to the good news of Jesus Christ is a precious life, as precious as that 27-month-old little girl, as precious as your life. 
And each one of those precious lives are a part of the whole world and the whosoever of John 3.16. So like I said, you know, it's wonderful that we hear John 3.16 and we realize this is for me. <laughs> but it's tragic if when we hear John 3.16, we think this is only about me. We are not the whole world, and each one of the 7.6 billion people in the world are so loved by God. And God can also so love those 7.6 billion people through you. Uh, the Lausanne Movement talks about calling the whole church to take the whole gospel to the whole world. Who is, who is, who is that whole church? Um, you know, first of all, it's, it's, it's the global church. We are a local body but we are a part of this global church of people across every nation on earth. It's men and women and children and introverts and extroverts and shy people and bold people and Eagles fans and even Dallas Cowboy fans. And all people are a part of our family. That is the whole church, whatever category you're a part of. But that's not usually how we view God's global gospel mission, is it? And now we don't really say it like this, but basically this is how we view gospel ministry, okay? So locally speaking, well, we pay our pastors to preach the gospel and to explain the gospel to uh, some people who don't know Jesus who happen to stumble into our church. And then uh, globally speaking, well, we, we, we support and we pray for missionaries to go and share the gospel around the world. So those pastors, those missionaries are the professionals. Here's the problem, though. The 1%, the 1% of those who are not in professional Christian ministry will never reach the world with the gospel. Why? So first of all, 1% numerically is not enough. There's one missionary for every 150,000 Japanese. There's one missionary for every 500,000 Muslims. Do you know how long it takes to share the gospel with 500,000 people? And you wonder why missionaries always look tired. So an important part of how the gospel is going to go to the whole world, one important Factor is sending out more missionaries. We have to send out more missionaries. So let's say we were able in the next 10 years to triple the number of evangelical missionaries in the world. That would actually get the ratio down to just one missionary for 30,000 people. So that's better. But actually, that doesn't solve the problem. Even tripling the number of missionaries won't do it. Why? Because... Among all these three billion people who have little to no access to the gospel of Jesus Christ, among the unreached people groups on earth, only 5% of the missionaries are working. 95% of the missionaries in the world are working outside of these unreached people groups. So even tripling won't do it. That's the challenge globally. So what's the challenge in the spread of the gospel locally? So if we rely on pastors and professional Christian people and professional Christian ministry, if we, if we rely upon them to share the gospel, it will never touch many people and many spheres of society. 
So think about like sports. How, how, how is the gospel going to get to the, 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 the sphere of, of sports? Probably the only way that Pastor Luke is going to be able to engage with and, 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 and bring a gospel impact in the arena of sports is if, if he like hits the equivalent of like the lottery and he gets a telephone call one day and they say, uh, is this Pastor Luke? Uh, Howie Roseman. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we, have, we have an opening for chaplain for the Eagles. And Luke's like, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> right? That's the only way your pastor is going to impact the sphere of sports in our society today. How about other spheres of society? Think about your own work or the work of people in your family and your friends. I'm, I'm pretty sure, I would bet that your company doesn't have a chaplain and, or doesn't even have a chaplain that actually can actually share the gospel freely. I'm pretty sure Google doesn't have a chaplain or, or uh, CVS or Comcast. So the only way that people in your company, in your school, in your neighborhood, on your sports team, in your restaurant, in your theater troupe are going to be touched by the gospel is through you. Every sphere of society. So the, the, the Lausanne movement, we talk about kingdom impact in every sphere of society. And that can only happen through those whom God has placed in those spheres of society. And that's not pastors. Every single Christian, including the 99% of you who are not in professional Christian ministry, has a ministry. You may not be a minister, you may not be a missionary, but you have a ministry. And God has gifted you with spiritual gifts to fulfill that ministry. You've been given the Holy Spirit to empower that ministry. But it's up to you to discover your ministry and to execute and fulfill your ministry. A longtime Lausanne uh, leader, Gideon Paramalam, contacted me earlier in the year, and he told me about Lea Sharibu, a 15-year-old Nigerian young Christian girl. And Lea was captured by Boko Haram, uh, along with 104 other young Dapchi girls from the Yobe state of Nigeria. And there was a negotiation that led to their release, all 105 of them, uh, except Lea. The condition of their release was to renounce Christ. And she refused to deny her Lord in exchange for her freedom. Uh, here are some words from another dear African Lausanne friend. Do we have a picture of Leah? Yeah, that's Leah. Um, another friend, Daniel Bordenay, he said, I am humbled by her faithfulness to Christ. She boldly preached the gospel to the abductors and to us. She did it with more integrity and conviction than many so-called men and women of God. And you are men and women of God. You are men and women of God. And I know, I know that it is not easy to share the gospel. I know. And, and y y you don't want to risk your jobs or your friends or your neighbors or your family. And, and that might be why it's actually, for many Christians, a lot easier 
to go to a far-off place and share the gospel with strangers than with those you know and love. But what is at risk for them? Both strangers, but also for those you know and love. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish. John 3.36 says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Um, perishing means being under the wrath of God. Um, here in John 3.16, perishing is the opposite of eternal life. Uh, in Revelation 14.10, John describes the one who is perishing like this. He also will drink the wine of God's wrath, poured full strength into the cup of his anger, and he will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. These are among the most sobering truths in all of Scripture. It's not easy to share the gospel. Uh, it can be embarrassing, awkward, even dangerous, as Leah Sharibu knows very well as she continues to be a captive of Boko Haram. Um, I would ask that you would pray for Leah. Um, she was supposed to be executed um, a couple weeks ago, but we haven't heard news yet if that had happened. There was a one-month time period her last chance to renounce Christ. Uh, but pray for her, her, for her safety, for her release, for her witness, uh, for God's glory through her. Um, and I dare say that if she were a young American girl rather than a young African girl, I think her dire situation would be on everyone's minds, on everyone's hearts, and every media outlet pr praying by for her in by Christians in every single church. I dare say that. The gospel is good news. It is great news. It is not bad news. It is great news. It is good news that speaks into a very sad, bad reality for those who do not know Jesus Christ. Um, a doctor who tells a patient that they have cancer is not causing that cancer. And sharing the gospel is not giving someone, like, spiritual cancer. John 3.17 says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Now, the, the, my illustration breaks down a bit, I, I, I know. Um, cancer patients, right, they don't cause their cancer. Um, though in some cases, I suppose, they, they kind of play, can play a part, right? You have, um, you know, a lung cancer sufferer who, you know, smoked just hundreds of packs of cigarettes. John Stott, who was the chief architect of the Lausanne Covenant, said, he said this, before we can begin to see the cross as something done for us, we have to see it as something done by us. 
When was the last time you saw the cross, the death of Jesus Christ, as something that was done by you? God sending his son wasn't in order to condemn it, though we deserved it. It was to save it. Uh, last month, I had an opportunity to preach in London in the pulpit where John Stott uh, pastored. Uh, and while I was there, I stayed at the home of some Christians, um, and they have this plaque on their building, on their, on their house, uh, saying that this uh, house was the place where John Wesley would stay when he would be coming through the area to preach the gospel. So, more than 200 years ago. And they asked me an interesting question, and I'll ask it to you. How would you explain the gospel in one tweet? 280 characters. How would you explain the gospel? Give it a try. Give it a try when you get home in one tweet. So what would your tweet be? Uh, here's mine. I think we have it in exactly, exactly 280 characters. Okay. Do we have it? I'll read it anyway. Ready? Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. This is the gospel, Colossians 1, 21, 22. So this is the gospel. It's not my words. I'm not saying this is the right answer. <laughs> this is the gospel is what Paul says. <laughs> it's a quote from Colossians 1, 21 and 22. Uh, he says, this is the gospel that I preach. This is the gospel that you heard. Do you know this gospel? Do you have a word of hope to share? In the gospel, God makes broken things right, a broken relationship with the God who made you right, a broken life right, and eventually a broken world right. His death brings us life. His brokenness brings us holiness. His sacrifice brings us wholeness. His condemnation, our freedom. Brothers and sisters, we are surrounded by people in need of this hope, in need of this good news. People, many of whom are perishing without Christ, who are spiritual cancer patients who don't even know that they have it. We need to love them. We need to walk with them. We need to uh, love them as God has loved us. We need to show them our scars from our own treatment, from our own wounds, from our own brokenness. We need to talk clearly about truth, the bad news and the good. Um, here's another great John Stott quote. He said, our love grows soft if not strengthened by truth. And our truth grows hard if not softened by love. We need both. No one has ever heard the gospel until they hear the gospel. So, now your, your coworkers, your neighbors, your family, your friend, they need to see the gospel beautifully in your life. They need to see it in your life. That's, that's a wonderful, that's a necessary witness. As the saying goes, you are the only Jesus that some people will ever see. 
but they need to hear it too. A silent example of the gospel cannot save anyone. And many people will never see that Jesus or hear that gospel through anyone. In the last 40 years, over 1 billion people have died who never heard of Jesus. In the last year alone, about 30 million people have perished without ever hearing the gospel. Uh, but what if a miracle happened, okay? What if a miracle happened? What if every single Christian in all the world, including each one of us, every single Christian shared the gospel with every single person who's not a Christian that you knew? In the whole world, that would be a miracle, right? That would be wonderful. I hope God would do that through you. And then what if another miracle happened, okay? Every single Christian in the world shared the gospel with every single person who's not a Christian that they know. And every single one of those people received the good news, rejoiced in the good news, and they believed on the good news of Jesus Christ. That would be a miracle. But even if both of those miracles happened, there would still be three billion people in the world who don't personally know a Christian who would not ever hear the good news of Jesus. Romans 10.13 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is, this is a promise of God, a wonderful promise. There's no question as to how people will be saved. But then Paul asks some critical questions. He says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? Whoever believes shall not perish but have eternal life. Anyone who believes, but no one can believe something that they know nothing about. The Lord is calling all of us to be salt and light, to make kingdom impact in every sphere of society. We talked about this in our values last week as we think about our local ministry, our local outreach, and today we're bridging this local outreach into the global you all have a ministry, and you have a ministry to discover and to fulfill. And one of the most important ministries of the church and our church is in sending missionaries and praying for missions, financially supporting missions, and in going. Uh, so uh, one of the best ways that we can fulfill our call as a church in praying for missions is, this is one of the, it is the best resource, Operation World. It is the definitive guide for prayer for every single nation on earth. And this has occupied our family's table in many times over the years in praying for a nation. I would highly, 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 highly recommend that every single one of you, every single family should have Operation World. Last year, Operation World came under the Lausanne umbrella and became a part of the Lausanne family. So because of that, I get discount. So this is a $30 resource with a CD in it and everything, and, I, and, and we have this available for $7. Okay, it's a really good bargain. We have 12 copies left today. I hope all 12 of them will disappear, and I'll bring another box for next week, okay? $7. And um, for those of you who, uh, especially those of you who are college students, let me strongly encourage you. One of the most uh, life-changing experiences I had as a young person was um, just using my, uh, the great blessing of college summers, long college summer breaks. I miss those. 
um, for, for missions. For missions, I strongly want to encourage you, whether you go as a team, whether it's one or two of you going to a particular place, Japan, CBI has some excellent, excellent summer internships. And, uh, you know, Luke or myself or the elders, all of us would be very happy to just connect you to some great opportunities. You should be praying about what you want to do with your summer next summer. You should be thinking about how you can steward this gift that God has given to you. Let me strongly encourage you in that. And perhaps the Lord is calling some of us to become one of those 95,000 missionaries that are needed in the world, to lay aside your profession and to go to reach the unreached with the gospel. Uh, we all have a ministry, but we are not all missionaries. And I know that some wonderful, very well-intentioned Christians and leaders have sometimes said, oh, we're all missionaries, we're all missionaries, and people are like, yeah, yeah, we're all missionaries. And when I, when I hear that, sometimes I kind of smile, another part of me is like, no, no. Because if we buy into the notion that we're all missionaries and that we can all simply stay put where we are and share the gospel with those people who don't know Jesus, who are near us, like I said, three billion people in the world will be counted among those who perish. Missionaries are needed to cross cultures, to cross languages, geographic boundaries, to share the good news with those who would otherwise never he have an opportunity to hear or believe in God's only Son. There's intentionality, there's church accountability and affirmation, there's calling, there's, there's, there's training, there's prayer, there's support, there's mobilization. We are not all missionaries, but we are all called to be salt and light. We're all called to pray for the nations. Jesus said, my house will be a house of prayer for all nations. I ask you, does our church reflect the vision that Jesus had for his church? Is our church, how can our church become a house of prayer for all nations? We are not all pastors. But we are all called to shepherd, shepherd people who are under our care. We're not all deacons, but we are all called to serve. It's not like, well, I'm not a deacon, so I don't need to serve. We're not all elders, but we are all to provide leadership. We're not all preachers, but we are all to preach the gospel. Just like Leah Sharibu, preaching the gospel to her Boko Haram captors. But some are pastors, some are deacons, some are missionaries, and many, many more are needed. And I trust that God will raise up many more from our congregation, even from among your own families and children. And the Lord might be calling some others of you to take up your profession, to take up your profession, your Christian profession and your occupational profession, and to go and to live among the unreached peoples. You see, the only way that the unreached will be reached is if Christians will go and be salt and light in the arts and media, finance, science, te technology, sports, education, medicine, you name it, in every sphere of society, among every people group on earth. Christians, missionaries alone cannot do this, just like pastors alone can't do it locally. Every Christian has a ministry, and we need an attitude change. And, and when I say we need an attitude change, I mean people like me, ministers and missionaries also. For too long, the 1% of those in professional ministry have had a 
wrong attitude. And that attitude is this. Thinking that the 99% of those not in professional ministry exist to support their ministry. Instead, we need to have conviction that we exist, the 1% exists to support the ministry of the 99. We exist to support your ministry. You have a ministry that needs to be developed, that needs to be exercised and fulfilled. Simply put, the Great Commission will not be fulfilled by the 1%. Go and make disciples of all nations. The Great Commission cannot be fulfilled by the 1%. It must be fulfilled by the 100, the whole church. And you, we are all a part of that. And we all have a role to play, first locally, but absolutely strategically, globally as well. And perhaps some of you may have a calling to go and an opportunity to go and, and serve as a, as a dentist in Jakarta or as a financial analyst in Dubai or as a soccer coach in China or as an IT professional in India. God can use you if you will. This mission is possible, but it is impossible unless God's people will play their part. And that line of salvation that extended all the way from the early days of the church in Acts through various peoples and various places and various missionaries and various gospel sharings to eventually touch your life can be extended to others. It must be extended to others through you. Don't let that line end with you. Let it touch the ends of the earth and extend through you until Jesus ushers in eternity. How will God use you? He has a purpose for your life. He's empowered your ministry. You need to discover that ministry. You need to fulfill it because you're a part of his body. You're a part of the whole church. You're a part of the whole global church. And he has a purpose to bless the whole world through his whole global church. May we discover that and be empowered for kingdom-impacting, global-changing ministry. Let's pray together. I want to uh, encourage you to um, think about two people who do not know Jesus Christ. Two friends, two neighbors, um, co-workers, um, family. And I want you to pray for them now. Think of two people in your life, family, friends, neighbors. And I want you to pray for them that they would know the good news of Jesus Christ. Pray for them now, please. Next, I want you to pray for um, a nation or a people group far away. Um, whether you're going to pray for the Uyghurs in China or 
for people in Tibet, pray for um, unreached people groups in northern Nigeria, or praying for uh, tribal groups in Latin America without the gospel. I want you to pray for a people or a nation far away and pray that the good news might reach them. Lastly, I want you to pray for yourselves and ask God to help you to know the ministry that he has called you to. Ask God to reveal more and more and more what ministry he has given to you, called you to, equipped you for, strengthened you in, and given you the Holy Spirit for. Ask God to reveal to you just more and more, what is, what is my ministry, Lord? So pray for yourselves That's before I close us in prayer. Father, we remember Jesus' prayer in John chapter 17. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. And we know we're a part of that prayer. So, Father, we ask and pray not just for ourselves, but for those who will believe in your Son through our words and our lives, through our church. And we pray, use us, Lord, for your glory. Teach us, convict us, guide us, use us for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.